You may remember in 2018 when crypto YouTuber Ian Bellina had $2 million in crypto stolen from him while he was broadcasting live. We're pleased to say we had nothing to do with it. And we're also pleased to welcome Ian back to the show for his second appearance. He'll discuss the theft as well as his current thoughts about the crypto space. So try not to get hacked while you listen to this episode, because that would be a super creepy coincidence. It's episode number 245 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. All right. This reminds me of a song by Nelson. You remember Nelson? Yeah, what song? Uh, the blonde the blonde haired mm-hmm. dudes with the really long hair. Mm-hmm. Because it's called, you name the show After the Hack. Yeah. They had a song called After the Rain. After the rain washes away the tears and all the pain. Like, could you just imagine losing $2 million, $2 million in crypto? Like, I get sad when my crypto, I look at my block folio and it goes down a few G's. Like, I can't even imagine two M's. Well, now you know why we're bad because you get songs from Nelson here at the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Joel Com. That's Travis Wright bringing the tunes. And we're glad that you guys are here. We're going to welcome Ian Bellina back to the show today. And I uh, think you're going to enjoy this interview. We think you're going to enjoy all of Like, I can't imagine starting a show saying, uh, we've got an interview with such and such, and, and it sucks. You're not going to like it at all. Yeah, you're really not going to like this interview today. You know, we only gave about 30%. And, um, yeah, you you might as well just turn this one off and then rate it a three. No, it's going to be great. In fact, (laughs) we're going to bring you a new segment today also called the McAfee Tweet of the Week. You guys let us know what you think of it. But first, we want to give our shout outs where shout outs are due to our show sponsor. Of course, Digitex Futures at badco.in forward slash futures with over a million people that signed up to get into the beta. It's a commission-free trading platform that lets you trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin futures contracts. So get rid of the transaction fees, get rid of withdrawal fees, get rid of deposit fees, zero fees. Do you get what I'm saying? No fees, except in your fee fees, but those are different types of fees. You can get the DGTX token, and that is what the, it's the base crypto of the exchange. And uh, maybe it'll go up in time. I don't know. You guys got to check it out, though. Go to badco.in forward slash futures and trade for no fees. Great stuff. Also, Loyak is a sponsor of this episode, and they are enabling enterprises to securely collaborate and share data with their partners, resulting in this improved security, which is very nice, uh, better efficiency and governance using a blockchain. And so they have built the first uh, world's first tokenized data container to secure business interactions and transactions, which enables enterprises to collaborate and share data with their partners easily, which is nice. So uh, check that out. Loyak. With two K's, L-O-Y-A-K-K dot I-O. If you're looking into doing some enterprise-level stuff, Loyak is going to help you significantly reduce operational friction, costs, and revenue leaks, uh, as well as accelerating business revenues. Definitely worth taking taking a look at if you're thinking about doing an enterprise-level blockchain for your business, Loyak.io. All right. Thank you, Mr. Travis Wright. And now time for our new segment. Yes, he's wacky, he's kooky, and he says some weird stuff. It is the John McAfee tweet of the week. 
<laughs> uh, this one's great. He just tweeted this one. Uh, actually, we're recording a little bit before the show airs because I'm traveling uh, while this is airing. And so John tweeted on February 21st at 7.36 p.m., people are waking up to the fact that Bitcoin will be a million dollars. But when? Someday? Maybe five years? Within a decade? I'm the only one giving you a hard date, December 31st, 2020. He is sticking by his guns and his bet, Mr. Travis Wright. Um, good luck with that. You know what? I mean, I, I'd prefer, I'd like Bitcoin to get to 10,000 again, mm -hmm. you know, and then we can get to a hundred thousand and then we can talk about a million. How about that? I, you know, the, when's it going to be a million? I don't know. When's it going to be 10,000 again? That's what I'd like to know because when Bitcoin rises, all the other coins sort of rise with the tide based on the way that the systems are set up and the pairings are set up. So, you know what? One day at a time. Dear Jesus, I would like to get that to 10,000 first, but good luck. Here was the McAfee tweet of the week. Yeah, in this tweet, he actually referenced an article that Jesse Lund, the VP of blockchain at IBM, said that um, Bitcoin will be a million dollars some way, someday. Uh, another piece of McAfee news, just really quick. Uh, I was one of the ones that was following him and automatically got you know, unfollowed him. I didn't do it. So I I told him that that happened. He followed me. I followed him. And I said, hey, keeping with the uh, centennial relationship that we have for having him on the show, because he was episode 100 and 200, I said, we'd love to have you back on episode 300, which should air, I would imagine, sometime in September. He said, deal. So we got a thing now. We got a relationship with him. I mean, maybe, maybe if we play our cards right, we could be there hanging out with him on December thirty first when the choppening happens. <laughs> the choppening. <laughs> that is great, Mister Travis. Right. All righty. Well, with that said, uh, let us know what you think of the McAfee tweet of the week, and let's go ahead and get into our feature interview with Ian Bellina. Oh, yeah, boy. It's time for our interview. Travis, drop the beat. He's a baller. He likes smoothies He's without not a spirulina. Don't mess with him. He's got stamina. He's the real crypto phenomena. His jokes make you laugh like a hyena. He's cooler than the Star Wars cantina. Ian He's Ian <laughs> <laughs> Ian, welcome back to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the, the invite again. It's a pleasure. He hates do you do you appreciate the introduction though? That's that's, that's the best <laughs> intro ever. <laughs> oh my i uh, for those of you who don't know him ian is a influential blockchain and crypto investor advisor and evangelist he's been uh, in the wall street journal forbes huffpo the street inc and entrepreneur magazine because of his work in analytics cryptos and entrepreneurship he's a formal analytics evangelist at ibm and he's got this data-driven moneyball approach to investing in crypto token sales called token metrics we're going to talk about 
about that. You may remember him from episode number 89 of the Bad Crypto Podcast, badco.in forward slash 89 that aired last February. So it's been almost a year and uh, some interesting things have happened in the crypto world, in the Bellina world, and uh, we're going to talk about that today. And let, let's just go ahead and set the Wayback Machine to last spring, Ian, and get this out of the way now, because while you were broadcasting on your live stream, you claimed to have $2 million in crypto stolen from you. Talk about what happened there and how this has resolved. Yeah, so I was doing a live stream, uh, as usual, on my YouTube channel online with my audience. Then somebody told me in the comments that my wallets were being drained. And initially, I thought it was just somebody trying to troll me. But during the live stream, I noticed I was logged out of my spreadsheet. That's when I knew something fishy was happening. So I abruptly ended the live stream and began checking my wallets. And I saw that they were right. My wallets were being drained. Um, and that's because uh, people have been tracking my wallets online publicly just to kind of see what moves I'm, I'm making and what I'm investing in, right? Um, so people have been keeping tabs on my wallets online. That's how they, they figured out before I did <laughs> that my wallets were being drained. And that's when it really hit me that, I mean, it's pretty crazy how you can make it so fast, but you can lose it even much faster. It was definitely a very, a very humbling experience. I mean, uh, I was very transparent almost to a fault, right, to a point where I got hacked for being too transparent. But uh, right now, in terms of any updates, all I can say is we have four people of interest, and three of the four people of interest have been arrested for other hacks. And right now, the FBI and law enforcement are working with them, trying to basically trying to basically piece together everything. Uh, right now, all I can say is I've only re- recovered a small portion of the funds, about a quarter of the funds are frozen on exchanges, thanks to the help of a private task force I put together, who's been helping me basically follow the hackers and contact exchanges, and getting them to cooperate. Yeah, it's such a it's such a crazy thing. Now, did you get SIM card swapped, or did they just like re? How did how did they? Because you, know, so, you can see your addresses, and I remember you were you were sharing you know your block folio pictures of what your portfolio looked like. So I know that that had to tempt some hackers. Going, damn, look at that! Look at how much look at how much Wan chain he's got. Look at how much this. Oh man! And they were just like salivating. Yeah. How did they? How did they actually get into those those wallets if they didn't SIM card hack you or or whatever? How did they get those keys? Yeah, I mean, so I I messed up, right? I didn't practice the safer security practices. Uh, I had some, some of my, all my ERC20 tokens were, I, I kept backup copies of the private keys on my computer, right? Because mm-hmm. I was traveling a lot, right? 30 countries in 12 months, like kind of got lazy with the, with the security practice. But you were not wearing your crypto condom. Oh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't uh, it up. I wore the crypto Jimmy hat. <laughs> but uh, the main <laughs> Uh, so the main thing was one of my, my accounts, they hacked the recovery address, right? My Gmail, my recovery email address was my college mm. account. So I, so right now we speculate that that's how they, they're able to get access because that account had a password that was part of a prior mm. data breach from Dropbox, Adobe. So basically I had, I, I messed up by having the same passwords on my old college email address which was my recovery account so i believe that's how 
So to maybe protect it. to maybe protect other people, what might you say as as like from the key lesson is like because it had to be password stuff and some other stuff. What 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 was your yeah? What was your finding? I would say two main things, right? So two main things. Always use a hardware wallet. Uh, I do understand there are some tokens where you, they aren't supported by by hardware wallets. So for those, uh, use paper wallets and never use the same password ever for any site online. Because that site could become part of a data breach, and now hackers have access to that and can use that password to get into other sites you're on where you may use the same password. So never use the same password ever again. Use tools like uh, LastPass and some others, right? But yeah, that's that was basically a big lesson. Well, well, obviously it led to a lot of media attention, but it also led to a lot of people questioning, you know, the legitimacy of, of the claim. So what do you say to those people who said, you know, come on, you were teaching a system called hacking the system and you got hacked. And there are people that say, oh, you just wanted to avoid, you know, taxes because of it. And they've got these theories out there, which is, you know, that's the Internet. But what do you say to these people? I mean, People always like to have theories, right? But at the end of the day, I mean, the truth always come to light, right? So all I know is, right, I have legal teams working with me. I'm working with the FBI. I'm in communications with the IRS. I, I pay my taxes, right? So all this, all, all, all this speculation doesn't lead to anything, right? If, if I was really doing all this to avoid taxes, I would have been in trouble a long time ago. Right. And the fact there are much better ways, more efficient ways to try to possibly avoid taxes than hacking myself publicly. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's I can say this ludicrous. like back in January and February of last year, I had a lot more crypto too. <laughs> uh, at least a lot more value <laughs> then. It's like I have some of the same cryptos. It just seems like it's not anywhere anywhere near where it was like it's very sad actually what i'm trying to say mr ian Molina, is my portfolio sucks it sucks really bad right now and i want to cry about it so so <laughs> what's what is this you know nobody really knows when crypto is going to start rolling again but you know what are some of your thoughts on where we are right now the crypto winter and what what is the outlook and how are you looking at this space right now so the way I'm looking at the space right now, I'm very, very conservative. I'm basically on the sidelines. Uh, I still do have some crypto, right? But uh, I, w- I was slowly selling. Uh, but I-, I also got wrecked like everybody, everybody else, right? Most of my portfolio was down a lot. But I'm, the way I look at it is I'm assuming the worst. I'm prepping for the worst. So what what is that? What's the worst? The worst is... The bear market continues all the way through 2019 until 2020. And how low? What What do you think that looks like? What is, in your mind, the bottom of a bear market? Oh, uh, I mean, I don't quite know what that looks like. I just know there's no moon involved. <laughs> so yeah, but that, but some people say. I mean, there there's people like from J.P. Morgan saying, right, Bitcoin can go to zero. But you know, what's what do you think is realistic? I don't think zero is possible. I mean, right now we've, there's been strong support at three thousand, but I feel like if it breaks that support, we could go all the way down to around eighteen hundred, maybe even lower. But just in terms of planning financially, right? I'm planning because I'm full time in crypto, right? So I have to be extra conservative with how much I'm spending for all of twenty nineteen, expecting that 
we're either going to go sideways for a long time, for the whole year, or not really get any kind of bull run coming back until 2020. Because if you look at some charts, right, everybody has different charts. And I'm definitely not a trader. This is not financial advice. But I think the one that really jumps out to me the most is the chart that shows the Bitcoin halving. And I think uh, that estimates around summer 2020 for the next turnaround. Now, I'm definitely not an expert on this, but to me, I always like to be prepared for the worst so you don't really get caught off guard. So I think it's definitely smart for people to not act like it, like we're in a bull market at all, right? Basically plan for the worst. And for me, that means even looking into other forms of investments outside of crypto. So I'm looking to diversify and begin doing equity investments from SDO, security tokens, to pure venture capital and private equity plays. So I'm basically educating myself all of this year about this whole new space and trying to, to bring my model of data-driven analytics and investing of token metrics to the equity world. Hmm, let's talk about that. So you have this thing called token metrics. You mentioned you know, before we started the show that you're building an app around that, right? So that's going to be something to sort of help you with you know, gauging and using data on all these new projects. So maybe talk about what is your insights on you know, STOs and these security token offerings? Because you know, it seemed like to us, Originally, like the ICO was a really interesting model. However, we're not gaining any equity from it, right? We're getting these tokens, but these tokens are what are these tokens worth? Well, they're a utility on the platform, et cetera, et cetera. But then SEC says, no, most of them are security tokens, but they're not backed by any stock. And so now we're, we're moving to this new world. What, is, what has been some of your main insights so far as you've been doing research on these STOs? And how does that maybe apply to your, your token metrics process that you have? So it's a totally brand new world, right? Everything starts with data. With ICOs, there wasn't really much data out there. And we had to go out there and gather the data and figure out what worked, what didn't work, what really were the main indicators for success. Now, when it comes to the private world with security tokens, uh, the good thing about it is the space is more re- has more regulation. It's much cleaner. Um, there should be more information. But trying to piece together all that information and then trying to figure out, okay, how do we really predict the, the ROI from uh, a STO, a security token offering standpoint? Because there haven't really been many STOs, especially those that are trading. So trying to calculate the ROI on that, I think is still too early. But I think we can learn from the venture capital and private equity world in terms of the ROI of past companies and trying to figure out what indicators of success are there. And then trying to see if those can really be expanded onto the SDO world. So, you know, yeah, there haven't been a whole lot of them yet because it seems like there's still the SEC trying to get some clarification around that. What what do you think is going to, to be the thing that drops the ball that, that actually starts making these happen? And and are you starting to see more where maybe start maybe these startups are, are getting like a small seed round and then they're gonna then they're gonna do an ICO or a, a token offering after they get their tech built because what we saw last year you know was hey let's throw fifty million of these companies and they don't have anything except a white paper yet and and the pretty smiles on their on their team page right and then now we're getting to the point where some of those teams are actually finally executing on that but it looks to me now that you know it's going back it's like kind of a hybrid of traditional VC where they're maybe getting a million up front to get to the point where they can build the code to get some get some project built to a certain point 
and then they go maybe do an STO or then they go and do a, a series A round or something. What are you, what are you seeing on that? Yeah. So in my opinion, I think STOs will basically just be one round of financing as opposed to being a company raising all the capital via one round. So I feel like an STO could probably be a series A or maybe depending how big the company is, even a series B. Right. But I think companies definitely do have to show initial progress and adoption with their idea. Right. As opposed to just coming to the world and asking for capital up front, like they were with the, with the ICO space with no prototype or no products. I feel like if people are asking for equity, they will they'll be more, they'll be smarter about it. People have learned. Right. The bear market has taught people a huge lesson and people are going to be much smarter. Hopefully, at least uh, you're, so you're assuming think- a lot about you know, human nature. Uh, I, I, I if people were smart in general, uh, I think that there's a lot of history that would not repeat itself. Yet it managed to manages to I think greed is often the, you know, the motivator uh, for people and it drives us to do some really dumb things. Yes. Yeah, that part. I, I, I do agree. I think once greed sets in. Once people start making a ton of money, they do start to toss out what they've learned out the window. So when did you uh, make your exit? Uh, You know, you obviously you got wrecked like a lot of people, which means you didn't do it when Charlie Lee or uh, uh, Wozniak did. When did you decide, you know, it's time to bail? Um, I think probably the main indicator for me was when the SEC was looking at Ethereum and Bitcoin as securities, right? And they had this whole big announcement where they, they had to go look into it. So I, 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 at that point, I think I sold not all, but most of my Ether at around 725. Nice. Because so, I said, you know what, I'm not going to be around in the, in the market to hear the SEC call Ether is security. How about your Bitcoin? Bitcoin. I mean, so I mean, I'm still in the market, but but when I say that, I haven't put in any new capital into crypto. The last you're still hodling here at thirty four hundred dollars. Yeah, so I'm still hodling, and I'm just taking profits on the capital I put I put in the last one year Mm -hmm. or more. But if you think that we're going to go, that there's not going to be any bull run until 2020. What's the rash? Where is the support then? Let's say that's there's there's no big movement. There's not enough news that says, all right, it's time for adoption and we're going to hit this uh, this run now. Where's the support at? Because what we're seeing is it hits a, a new level of support. And then we have this day where everything goes down 10 to 15 percent. And then it finds that new level and it goes down without anything to move it forward. What's going to keep it from going down to fifteen hundred? Uh, good question. Good question. I mean, I think anything is possible, right? I think we need more big news coming in, whether it's the the back to the futures coming in, or whether it's uh, fidelity and the custodial services. But I'm, I'm not I'm not so optimistic as I used to be. I'm just really trying to plan for the worst, right? I, I can't really tell you what indicator that will be. But I, I, I mean, from talking to some traders I know, I, I know that if we break three thousand, we could go to fifteen hundred or so, and from there, I, no, Ian, please, no, we don't want to do that. But I mean, people are still making money in this market, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the the BitTorrent token, 
ICO on Binance, did a Forex apparently, it seems. And uh, people are making money on Greencoin and mining. That seems to be coming back into favor. Right. So, I mean, I think there are still opportunities to make money. Well, people just have to be more diligent with what they put their money into. That's true. Now, you are also, you know, you're the founder and, and general partner at 100X Advisors. Now, that is 10 times as more as Grant Cardone and his measly 10X. That's really <laughs> good. Well, congratulations yeah, on that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, you're, you know, you're, you are advising some, some really interesting companies, MetaHash, Phantasma, Nucleus, and Pareto, and maybe some other ones that you're working with as well. You're working with KuCoin as well. You know, what are some of the, what are some of the things that you look for whenever you are, you know, advising a project? And what does advising a project look like for you? Yeah, good question. So the first, first thing we look for is it has to be something we believe in enough to invest our own capital. So we don't, we don't advise products to that just to advise them. Mm-hmm. Right. We first want to believe in the project and if it's good enough for us to invest, then we we definitely, if the project wants us on board as advisors, we definitely welcome that. Now, what does that entail? So for example, our recent project we invested in and are advising is resistance. So they're building a, a privacy focused decentralized exchange. So we traveled with them. We actually invited them with us to Davos, Switzerland, to Blockchain Park, uh, which was a, basically a blockchain event for people in Davos. And we coached the founder for a full day on his pitch. He's somebody who's, who's a developer, a techie, a geek, introverted, right? So we, we coached him on how to give a winning pitch, uh, pitch. And he ended up taking the first place prize. It was me and also the other advisor, Ivan on Tech. And our team, we sat there, went through the, the entire pitch, right? Just kind of leveraging my experience being in enterprise sales as a sales executive at IBM and also working in consulting at Deloitte, just kind of coaching him for a full day on how to really deliver and tell your message to an audience and giving him feedback. And by the end of the night, he ended up taking first place and it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Then also helping him get investors. So going with him to, to dinner, galas, events, and really getting people that we think can bring value to the project and helping them, basically handling this stuff for him. So it's much more than just uh, investing money or just telling people about the project. It's, it's, we're really long-term partners with the project. So how has this pivot for you impacted the content that you're creating? What do you, you know, is this what you're talking about on your YouTube channel now? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, not as much, but this year I will be, right? I feel like definitely the market has shifted. So in terms of the content creation, I'm looking to start making different kinds of content. So I'm looking to start also creating content around equity investing because I feel like that's really becoming an interest to people, especially now as people are shifting more towards security tokens and venture capital. So look, so stay tuned. My next content will be more around that space. I do plan to put out a video similar to my ICO video for SDOs. So if anybody has seen that one hour long video I had on ICOs for for beginners, I do plan to make a video similar to that for SDOs. So so I guess, you know, I, I think it's all it's pretty awesome. Now you are, you, let's talk about the app you're building because I, I was a big fan of the, you know, the Google worksheet that you had, you know, the Excel document that you had on, on Google. And you had all these different metrics, all these different things that you were looking at and you were grading it. And then I think you'd have your community come in there and grade them as well. And then you would have your grade versus the community grade and stuff. Like, how has that evolved? 
And how are you now looking at these projects, right? I know you said you're looking at them from an equity perspective. And so you're, are you going directly to them and saying, hey, I want to invest X amount for your for a percentage? Uh, and then how, how does this token metrics, how is this being evolved moving forward, I guess? Better question. Good question. So with uh, with application, uh, the good news is the, the alpha version of the app is done. We expect the app to be ready to launch by summertime. And we're expanding from being purely just ICOs to covering all tokens on the market. So the idea is being able to look at a token currently trading on exchanges and being able to look at a token that's coming out via an ICO or maybe even an SDO and say which token is a better investment right now. So being able to kind of compare two different tokens, so it's because sometimes, especially in this market, a token already trading could be a much better investment than this ICO that's coming out next month. So that's that's kind of the idea behind the app. Because the spreadsheet was really the prototype. It showed uh, the interest, uh, basically a small product market fit, but the spreadsheet didn't really scale to what we wanted to. So we felt building a standalone application would be the next step. You're a really serious guy, Ian. You know any good jokes? <laughs> any good jokes? Uh, why did the Why did the Bitcoin cross the road? I don't know something. What you got? Oh wow, put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. How <laughs> to think about that? Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Ian Bolina has no good jokes. Just <laughs> wanted to be clear, but he does. He does know tokens, uh, Ian. We appreciate you hopping on with us. Anything else you would like to share? with the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, of which you have sworn your allegiance to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have sworn my allegiance to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. <laughs> and for the blockchain for which it stands, yes. one podcast Yes, under Satoshi. We're going to we're gonna have to work on that. <laughs> I, I want to I ask you about, before we wrap this up, because I have, I have, a, I have another question around, because you were you know, an analytics evangelist over there at IBM. And, you know, and so you were doing some really good data driven stuff over there. You took some of your models of what you're doing in IBM. You applied it to crypto. What are your thoughts on what IBM is doing in the enterprise space with their blockchain? Is that something that you'd spend a lot of time thinking about and maybe the future of enterprise blockchains? I mean, not since I left IBM, but I know IBM has definitely invested heavily in in the blockchain space. Right. That's how I kind of discovered Bitcoin and crypto was because the mm-hmm. part of was curious about what IBM was doing in the blockchain space uh, with Hyperledger Fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was in Davos, Switzerland, I had the pleasure of going to the consensus event and meeting the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance membership director, mm-hmm. uh, Bill. Right, and I think what they're doing is really, really impressive, and it's what blockchains need to get more adoption. Because I believe the enterprise world really does have a huge say in whether a technology becomes truly adopted. And getting the big names, right, like the Citibanks, JP Morgan, the IBMs, the Microsofts, to really show that blockchain is something that's really going to be transformational, I think is good for everybody. Not just people in Bitcoin, but everybody in the blockchain space. And IBM is doing that as well. And I think it's just definitely a, a good sign. Great stuff. Most excellent. Uh, you guys can check out Ian's stuff, ianbelina.com, and links to his LinkedIn, his YouTube channel, the previous episode, and news we referenced in the show notes for this episode. Ian, glad to have you here for the second time, and hope that you'll come back again in the future. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for the invite. I appreciate it. 
I'll see you guys on the moon, to the moon and beyond. <laughs> there we go. There it is. So there you go. Ian is pivoting a little bit, you know, with what he's going after in the crypto space, but still doing his YouTube channel and um, hopefully will not get stolen from again. Mm. I wonder if folks liked our rap that we had at the beginning of that for him. <laughs> I think creating raps for our guests could also be a feature in and of itself. <laughs> that was fun I, I i rather enjoyed that that was good stuff because although we did not do it on the andreas antonopoulos show episode 247 that is coming up is a live from eth denver episode and we we were on just before andreas and we did a little rap about him on the stage so yeah that was good mm -hmm. that was a free flow too which was funny yeah, that's what so nice. makes it funny. It's like, you know, when, when you said the chopping, remember when you did that thing just a few minutes ago? I remember ago? that. That was a while back. That was great. That was great. Thanks, Ian, for joining us again. And thanks to all of you for listening and supporting the show, for being virtual card-carrying members of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. And we'd love for you to check in with us. And you could do that by joining the community of the Bad Crypto Mastermind on Facebook, where the evil overlords will sell all your data. Go to badcode.in forward slash mastermind and join the conversation with us. Do it. Do it. Um, thank you to everyone listening and tuning in. We love you guys, and uh, we're grateful for you guys still tuning in after the crypto goes up, crypto goes down. But maybe crypto's going back up again, Mr. Jocom. Man, it looks like it looks like there's a little bit of life being breathed into the crypto market. So maybe it is. Maybe it's going up. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's Maybelline. You're, you're bad, man. Stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.